Welcome back to Pod TST. I'm Kenneth Arthur, lead writer at Turf Show Times. Thank you for listening. I'm curious how everybody's feeling out there as the Rams prepare to take on the Seahawks in Seattle this Saturday. This has to feel like the best possible matchup for the Rams to have landed going into Wild Card Weekend, or as the NFL wants you to call it, Super Wild Card Weekend. Just call it more money weekend i mean that's we're putting half of the nfl into the playoffs at this point i can't believe that it's even at this stage when you're talking about 14 teams making the playoffs every year and i'm sure the nfl wants it to be 16 but if you're talking 14 teams in the playoffs every year then oh then any playoff streak where you're now not you haven't been in the playoffs for x amount of years like in the nba i'm not making those eight teams per conference playoffs any team that makes the playoffs if you haven't gone to the playoffs in the last five years you're really really screwing up you're really blowing it you haven't been in the playoffs unless if it's 2025 and your team hasn't been to the playoffs what went wrong we you know there are teams we already just saw the browns break a streak the longest streak in the nfl back to 2002 but i mean i expect the jaguars to make the playoffs at least by next year i mean you got seven teams in the playoffs so a lot of teams are going into the playoffs these days but the rams i think are not only the most a very capable six seed But I think they're also drawing the best matchup that they could have wanted ahead of having to go to New Orleans or ahead of having to go to Green Bay had the Packers lost to the Bears in week 17. But more than anything else, just knowing that they get to go to Seattle and they get to face a team that they are very familiar with, that they've beaten this year, that they don't fear that Jalen Ramsey doesn't have any fear about facing the Seahawks. And this is his first playoff trip since 2017 with the Jaguars. So Jalen Ramsey back in the playoffs, probably wanting to prove himself and take that, you know, loss in the AFC championship game to the Patriots behind him and be able to say, I'm, I'm winning again in the playoffs. Aaron Donald's, wanting to make up for the last time he was in the playoffs, which was in the Super Bowl, and wanting to atone, even though the Rams' defense did a great job, maybe wanting to be a part of the Rams atoning for that loss. If he has to score touchdowns by himself, I don't put it past Aaron Donald to score touchdowns by himself. We saw him do it. We saw him do it this season. I mean, I don't know if he actually ever had any physical touchdowns himself. I'm trying to think was that fumble recovery for a touchdown but I know that he did force fumbles for touchdowns and I know that he did force interceptions and I know that he did do things to put these teams when he forces teams to put the ball and to fumble the ball and all this kind of stuff he's putting the Rams in position week after week when the offense was struggling Aaron Donald I mean how is this guy he still should have been in the MVP conversation Why is Aaron Donald not in the MVP conversation when everyone accepts the fact that Aaron Donald is the best player in the NFL or like a lot of people accept it or have him in the top three? Why are we not having him in the conversation when the Rams without Aaron? I mean, the 10 and six Rams, the fact that they 
still got a comfortable win with John Wolford and without Andrew Whitworth and Cooper Cup and so many of their players, Michael Brockers. The fact that they got a win pretty easily in Week 17, I mean, so much of that is a credit to Aaron Donald and to Jalen Ramsey, but where would the Rams have been this season with the number one defense but a mediocre offense and a and, you know mostly bad play at quarterback? Where would the Rams have been this season without Aaron Donald? So I'm putting him back in the MVP conversation, but unfortunately nobody is listening to this podcast. I do think that Aaron Donald should have been in the MVP conversation, even if Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes had great seasons, even if Derrick Henry had a great season. I do want Derrick Henry to get the credit that he deserves. Obviously, he's not going to. And, you know, I've had these analytics podcasts. I don't know if you know this. Aaron Schatz of Football Outsiders got an AP vote this year. So now Aaron Schatz of Football Outsiders is one of the voters for MVP. So it's going to come down to, well, that's the thing is that it's not going to come down to DVOA because we know that sites like PFF and Football Outsiders don't actually respect their own rankings. They don't actually believe their own rankings. Because they look ridiculous, a lot of their rankings look ridiculous, so they don't actually believe them. They just can't deny them. They just say, well, that's the numbers. I cannot fudge it. It's the numbers. But I, I obviously I obviously know that this quarterback with the high DVOA or this running back with the high DVOA isn't the best or this PFF-graded tight end isn't the best. I mean, they have John Johnson as the third-highest-rated safety in the NFL, but they're not going out there and calling him you know, he was number 24, I think, in their top 100 free agents. Really, the number three safety in the entire NFL. And he's only number 24. Why aren't we talking about him alongside Jamal Adams? What's, you know, that why not John Johnson being talked about at the level of a Jamal Adams? John Johnson's out there quarterbacking the defense, has a huge impact in every game and doesn't miss a snap and doesn't get any credit for it. So, you know, if you have a vote, Mr. PFF, Chris Collinsworth has a vote, maybe put one in for Aaron Donald. But if not, I'd love to see Derrick Henry and a running back get the credit that he deserves. And I'd like to see John Johnson, of course, get the credit that he deserves. But talking about, This particular matchup for the Rams, they have to like it. They have to prefer this. Aaron Donald said as much after the last game quickly to a camera or whatever, just saying that, yeah, this is what we wanted, and why not? The Rams beat the Seahawks. They have played them twice already this season, but they also know Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson very well. Jalen Ramsey's not afraid to take on DK Metcalf, and we know why, because he's been dominant in his matchups against Metcalf and DeAndre Hopkins and most any great receiver that he's faced this year, Ramsey wins. And I also know that Metcalf has been at a level this season where he's beaten Darius Slay. He's beaten Stefan Gilmore. He's beaten Tredavious White for some of his longest catches this season. He's beaten many of who is on the list of the greatest corners because DK Metcalf does face off against the greatest corners, but not on that list is Jalen Ramsey. He has not beaten Jalen Ramsey. And is Russell Wilson going to test that matchup or is he going to play it safe and avoid DK Metcalf because he's going to avoid Jalen Ramsey? Because this entire game probably and potentially comes down to one turnover. Whoever has that one turnover that turns the game in that moment, 
which is why they call it turnover. I don't know if you knew that or not, but it's literally they wanted to say, hey, let's call it turnover. It's turning point. It's a turning point. And so the fact that the Rams don't worry about that, that they have all the faith in the world against the Seattle Seahawks, I just don't think that the Seahawks are at the level of a Packers or a Saints. I don't think that if the Seahawks win this game, I don't think that they will be likely to beat the Saints, which would be their second round matchup. If the Rams win, most likely it will be the Packers matchup. I mean, I just think that both the Seahawks and the Rams and the Cardinals and the 49ers, we came into this season saying this is the NFL's best division. And then at the end of the year, you go, well, there's a 12 and 4 team and a 10 and 6 team and an 8 and 8 team that just barely missed the playoffs. And the 49ers were 6 and 10, but they had all these injuries. So obviously the 49ers uh, were not like just bad, bad. They, they had excuses. This division played against the NFC East, the worst out-of-division conference uh, division matchup, you know, the worst division in the league. And, and this NFC West division got, each team got four of their games against the worst division. All teams that were like last-placed teams, but someone had to finish in first. All these teams, last-placed teams, but everyone in the NFC West got them, and they all pretty much swept them. It was it was easy. That's how easy it was. So everybody got like an automatic three or four wins out of the NFC East. Then you go to the AFC East where you've got the Jets, and you've got the Dolphins and the Bills and the Patriots. And the Patriots pretty much stunk. Cam Newton stinks. Then you've got... The fact that uh, the Dolphins were really a mixed bag. You know, the Dolphins and the Cardinals probably around equal levels of good. I don't care if the Dolphins were 10 and 6. You know, they they didn't have a strong quarterback, whether it was Fitzpatrick or Tua. It's a promising team. But remember, they, they were terrible a year ago. And they've improved and, and they've gotten into contention. But anybody that beat the Dolphins, like the Seahawks beat the Dolphins. It's not impressive to me to beat the Dolphins and to have to go up against, whether it's Ryan Fitzpatrick or Tua Tagovailoa. Yeah, I, I believe either one of those quarterbacks is capable of losing at any point to any team. So I don't think the Dolphins were that strong of a team. Obviously, the Rams lost to the Jets, but you know the Seahawks lost to the Giants with Colt McCoy as the quarterback. So I don't think either of those teams were, were particularly strong to the degree of their even their records. I don't think that the Seahawks are like a 12 and 4 team. In my mind, what a 12 and 4 team looks like is not the Seahawks. And so that was the division winner. And so the but when the teams went up against the Bills, the Rams lost to the Bills and needed this 28-point comeback and Surely, yes, the Rams almost beat the Bills, but they didn't beat the Bills. And then the Seahawks lost to the Bills 44-33, to just got blown out, had four turnovers, just destroyed against the Bills. So the best team out that they both faced, and you know the Cardinals needed that Hail Mary play to beat the Bills. The Bills had no issues with, I mean, they did have issues with the NFC West, but they did come out victorious in the NFC West. 
And the 49ers, with or without Garoppolo, it's not like Garoppolo was worth a bunch of wins, if any wins, to San Francisco. I don't really care about the Garoppolo injury. The Nick Bosa injury, it's just, is your whole team hindering on that one player? Is that really the case? Is it, I mean, George Gittle's value, Nick Bosa's value, adding him up, you know, Richard Sherman's value, adding it all up, trying to come up with a number. Could it be, could it really be six wins? You know, the, the 49ers went six and 10. They didn't have impressive wins out of the division. Nobody really had that many impressive wins outside of the divisions, except for the Cardinals with their miracle against the Bills. It just wasn't a lot of impressive. The Rams against the Bucks. I mean, yes, the Rams beat the Bucks. The Rams beat the Bears, but I hate the Bears. The Bucks. You know, that's probably that could be the best win outside of the division. So I just think that this whole division itself was overrated, and. So whoever comes out of it, I think, is going to struggle relative to the Saints and the Packers. The Bucs are interesting because they have Tom Brady. How can you say any, they, they aren't interesting? They have Tom Brady. They have Rob Gronkowski. They have Antonio Brown. I mean, it got to the point last week where Tom Brady tried to throw a touchdown pass to Scotty Miller, and he did, except that Antonio Brown intercepted it for his own touchdown. I thought maybe there would be some tinge of jealousy there, but everyone seemed cool with it, but he did come out. And I mean, obviously he had the pass. I mean, if he could catch it, then catch it. That's great. But that's how many weapons they have is that they've got guys running on the field, just stealing from each other for touchdowns. And so it wouldn't surprise me with, if the bucks, I might rank the bucks as the third strongest team in the NFC. I that's where I would be. And I think the Seahawks and Rams are pretty equal in their respect. The hard part for the Rams is that they have to go on the road. They will not get a home game. Sorry, Chicago. But they will not get a home game, and maybe that's not a big deal. Maybe you think that the Rams play well on the road, and maybe they do. But what if the team they're facing plays extraordinary at home? I mean, there are conditions in Green Bay that are different. You know, it's different. You have to accept that this is a way that some players do get used to, especially Aaron Rodgers over time. It might be Aaron Rodgers' year to finally get back to the Super Bowl. It might be Drew Brees' year to finally get back to the Super Bowl. I think those two teams are by far in the strongest position to win the NFC. And so one of those two quarterbacks might be going in there, or people will say maybe Tom Brady goes in from the other conference for his 10th Super Bowl. Yikes. It's a position that the Rams want to be in, and that's something to be decided here in the next few months, years. I don't know. The Rams have some big things to figure out, but they must first focus on the Seahawks because, hey, who cares about the future if you win the Super Bowl now? But to win the Super Bowl, you've got to just win your next game, figure out how to beat that next team. And for the Rams, that is the Seahawks. And it is not something that they have to struggle to deal with, with how to beat the Seahawks. I'll talk about a few potential storylines, matchups, things to think about here with the Rams and the Seahawks on Saturday. First of all, Jamal Adams, Seahawks safety, probably their most important player on defense, Seattle's defense, changes tremendously with or without Jamal Adams in the lineup. Adams was considered 
questionable early in the week, but as of now, it seems that he will be good to go. So the Seahawks will be having one of their top pass rushers. I think probably Carlos Dunlap would be Seattle's best pass rusher added midseason from the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, you know, take it out on the Bengals for giving away Carlos Dunlap to Seattle at the time that they did. And Dunlap is even under contract for next year. So that's a consideration for the Rams to make with regards to, you know, their offensive line and the, the teams that they'll face twice next year. And it looks like they'll have Carlos Dunlap and Jamal Adams, who had nine and a half sacks in 12 games. Carlos Dunlap was effective when he played, although he dealt with some injuries. So it looks like Seattle will have their number one blitzer, Jamal Adams, strong in run defense. And whether or not how the Rams run in this game will dictate a lot, but it also depend on a lot and things that we don't know up to this point. Speaking of which, I'll move into my next thing topic which is jared goff or john wolford which would be a better option for the rams i know that john wolford has earned some fans rightfully so after his performance in week 17 wolford was better than i expected he was certainly a better runner and a more athletic and mobile than i expected i think there is a tinge of russell wilson in john wolford Perhaps what is missing is the element of being able to be more of an under center in pocket quarterback. And John Wolford was running primarily out of the shotgun spread offense, a college style offense. It really hurt the Rams run game. I do think that even though he himself is capable of, you know, running for first downs, as we saw, you know, he picked up what three or four first downs in that game with his legs, some designed, some not, and that is extremely valuable in the moment, but over the course of 60 minutes in a playoff game when you've got offensive linemen who don't know you and you've got receivers who don't know you and you've got a running back who doesn't want to come out of the shotgun formation, there's just too much else going on to really prefer, I think, John Wolford over Jared Goff. John Wolford is someone who maybe you go, okay, well, now let's really start to build an offense around this particular guy. If that was going to be your guy, say, next year. But to just go into a playoff game like that, I mean, John Wolford threw an awful pass on his first attempt because he said he was feeling anxiety about it, understandably so, but he still did have those jitters. Well, now you're on the road in the playoffs against an experienced playoff team against an experienced playoff quarterback and players on that defense, like Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright, who have been to the playoffs eight or nine times at this point. It's, it's a different environment. It's a different feeling. It's a different buzz. And Jared Goff has played at least four playoff games, including a Super Bowl. I think he's been able to learn. I would hope that he's been able to learn something from that and that that experience would be worth something. I think that Jared Goff may work it out to play on Saturday, but I don't know. And if it was a split situation, shared situation, it would not be that surprising to me if there were just plays in the playbook to say, 
okay, great. Jared Goff is limited. This is what we think we can run with Jared Goff, but we think it'll be effective and, you know, it'll make the running game effective and it'll help us move the chains at this point. But then maybe in these other scenarios, we put out John Wolford because Jared Goff's thumb just isn't able to do what he wants it to do. He's not going to do what you all think I'm going to do, which is dislocate. But I think the Rams for sure would rather have Jared Goff. I think Andrew Whitworth would rather have Jared Goff. I think Cooper Cup would rather have Jared Goff. And I think that Robert Woods would rather have Jared Goff and Tyler Higby. I think all of these players, other than Van Jefferson, so if you want to curtail to Van Jefferson, uh, I think everybody else will prefer Jared Goff. But I don't think that the Rams are in dire straits with John Wolford. I think that if John Wolford starts, there are elements to that that are going to be exciting and effective and could throw Seattle off in certain situations. And that the Rams, there may not be a huge drop off in value at the quarterback position in itself. And I think that both teams will struggle to score the po- to just score the points. I, bo- I think both teams will struggle to score the points. And so to me, the quarterback, it's not as important as how well it's like I said, it could just come down to one turnover. So the Rams defense is perfectly capable of forcing turnovers on Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. So. You want to make sure for if you protect that football and the Rams could win the, another game, 18 to seven, it's going to be that kind of day. I think, what do I think about cam acres and his ability to maybe take over this game? Well, a lot of that is going to depend on the status at quarterback cam acres in week 17 had to run primarily out of the shotgun. He had 21 carries for 34 yards. He had the lowest yards before contact of his season and he had the low lowest yards after contact for a game for per attempt during his rookie season so he had a terrible day he hated it he fumbled at the one yard line and that's largely because largely because he faced a stacked box eight men in the box the most uh that you're legally allowed now you probably i guess you could probably put uh 11 men in the box but I don't think that I mean, I definitely think that somebody would get uh, arrested if you put because it should be illegal if you put, to put more at eight men in the box. And so all those players were coming after Cam Akers. Fifty seven percent of his runs came against an eight man box. And that was the highest of any running back in the NFL in week 17. So if Cam Akers is playing in the John Wolford offense, it's not going to be. I don't know. I mean, it could be. It's only been one game, but. The odds would seem to say that it's not going to be a great day for Cam Akers. Or, and it might be a better day for Malcolm Brown. Malcolm Brown might be better suited for the John Wolford offense. And that's, that's what, to me, is scary about the John Wolford offense. A big part of that, another thing is a big part of that would be the return of Andrew Whitworth. And I don't, and Andrew Whitworth, he was injured in the previous, in the first Seahawks game, played half of that game and has not played since torn a MCL, but he is ready to go this Saturday for his return. He also sounds like he wants to play next season. He said he's definitely pretty much said he's definitely playing next season and he'll be 40 years old, but Whitworth wants to definitely get back to the Super Bowl now and he could be a big part of that. I also, again, think that he would prefer to be out there blocking in a Jared Goff offense. It's what he's used to than in a spread 
John Wolford offense. So the return of Andrew Whitworth and the impact it has has, I think, depends a lot on whether or not Jared Goff returns. It sounds like Jared Goff, you know, he's in practice limited. I just think that if there's any, if they can run 80% of the plays that Jared Goff, like if his thumb allows them to run 80% of their normal plays, I think Sean McVay would be ready to go with that, no matter how much pain Jared Goff is in. And Jared Goff would be ready to go with that too. And they would be out there and if it's 75, 80% of the plays that they'll be able to run because the John Wolford playbook, it's just not the one that I think that they want to run out of. So that's what I think they'll think be, be thinking about on Saturday and getting him ready for Saturday. It's possible. I don't know that they had that thumb surgery as soon as they did just, Hey, quickly, like, Hey, he's going to miss a game, but I think we can get him back in 12 or 13 days. So like, okay, great. Cut that thumb off and reattach it however you need to take my thumb if you need to and just get it done so that's why i expect maybe jared goff to tough it out and that'll be much better for the return of andrew whitworth another thing would be this matchup between jalen ramsey and dk metcalf but a lot of people are probably already talking about that it's such a heavy focus people talk about all the time so what do you need me to talk about it for jalen ramsey probably will take dk metcalf out of this game I think that a lot of people will then be talking about, you know, who's covering Tyler Lockett, whether that's Troy Hill or Darius Williams and how they do. But Tyler Lockett, he just hasn't. It'll be interesting to see if the Seahawks even scheme up deep plays involving Tyler Lockett, if it's just going to be a lot more dunking it to Tyler Lockett or something more, because those plays aren't worth a ton of yardage per play but it can nag at you to have him continuously get first downs and if if Russell Wilson's going that way. But Darius Williams and Troy Hill don't really fuck around, so I'm not too concerned about whether or not that will happen. Is do, That's both a problem that faces both the Rams and the Seahawks, which is do they have a third option? Do they have an effective third option? Do they have a dangerous third option? And in both cases so far, it really has seemed to be no and so how those players are covered will determine a lot and again come down to the run game which is why again i think this the rams would much rather prefer to see jared goff out there so they can have the cam Akers who was running behind jared goff and being so effective in all those other games that he started remember those i don't think you want john wolford i don't know i don't know but maybe maybe i'm wrong and that's why this game also could come down a lot to Michael Dixon and Johnny Hecker. Michael Dixon and Johnny Hecker, the two punters for each of these teams. You know, Michael Dixon has been punting for the Seahawks for the last three seasons. He was an All-Pro in 2018. Uh, he, I think he could be an All-Pro in 2020. He had a lot of the best punting numbers, I suppose. And I think that Johnny Hecker as a, I believe, first four team, four time, first team, all pro two hyphens within that phrase. I think that Johnny Hecker is familiar with what it's like to be an elite punter. And this game is going to come down maybe to field position and made field goals. And for the Rams, that's Matt Gay. And they feel much more comfortable with him. And you start to wonder, well, where was Matt Gay earlier then? I don't understand. And Sam Sloman made a game-winning kick in Week 17 for the Titans. But the uh, 
Rams are, are looking to Mac Gay to make potentially some of these really big field goals. And for the Seahawks, it's Jason Myers, who has made something like 31 or 32 straight field goals. However, he's missed four extra points, and I think only two of his field goals have come from more than 50 yards. So if it's coming down, I don't know that Jason Myers is is automatic from 50. I don't know that Matt Gay is automatic from anywhere. But special teams, I think, is, again, going to play a big part in this game and to see who goes into the visual round where I think they will be underdogs. And then if they, it's 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 interesting to have this ha- game happen again so soon, but I suppose it is what we should have expected. That's it for this episode of Pod TST. I think you can subscribe to it or something. I don't know. I put it out here on TurfShowTimes.com, and then it's out there in the world. Pod TST. Turf Show Times, follow on Twitter, Turf Show Times.